Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Mojo NFL episode. I have with me tonight Dan, Lara, and Laura. No Riley because she is about to fly to Finland for Worlds. So props to her, and hopefully she doesn't suffer from too much jet lag. Um, so she's clearly a little busy, so couldn't be here. But uh, yeah, uh, not that far off football. Not that far off preseason. Guys, I know we're excited for this. So as we talk preseason, we're going to get into our warm-up as we talk Favorite NFL mascots. And the one, and the two, and the one, two, three. Why you don't do that? Bishop wore buttless chaps to the bat mitzvah. Have a great broadcast. You too, darling. Now, for me, mascots are like the pride of a team, right? At least for my teams anyway. Well, the Knicks don't have a, have a mascot, but the Bears do and, you know, the, the Bulls do, but... My favorite mascot in the NFL, and I think just because social media know how to like play him so well, is Blue from the Colts. I just think whoever does social media for him and the Colts, whenever they utilize him, they just do it in such a way where they he just has so much fun with it. Whoever the guy is behind him, oh my gosh, must be an absolute joy to be a mascot. You, I would think. I mean, unless you're like middle of Texas, middle of summer, start of the season, I don't think it would be, but. My favorite, I think, is Blue, just because I feel like he's just probably one of the more animated mascots in the NFL. Laura, you got a smile on your face, so I figured you have a mascot up your sleeve to share. I absolutely do not. (laughs) I am uh, unfortunately so uncool that I don't know that I really love the mascots. I really... I like the name and the look of Rory from the Lions. And I'm also really into the Lions this year because I think they're quite the underdog. So I'm going to go with with him. But I'm going to give all of my mascot time to Laura because I think think this is good. Well, I mean, coming from the Pacific Northwest, we have one of the most dominating mascots, in my opinion, Blitz the Seahawk. He is just such a man about town. You've got him at the Seattle Children's Hospital every other week. You've got him, you know, running up and down the field every game. I have had the pleasure of meeting him. I think there's a photo somewhere. I'll have to find it. But, you know, we don't need a big fancy social media scheme. We don't need TikToks because Blitz is the superstar on his own, in his own right. And I think his presence is what's made being a 12 and being in the Emerald City so much fun. So, for me, Blitz just takes it away every day of the week. There's not a 12 that doesn't know him. And I know some people can't even remember the name of their own mascots, coughing at everyone here in the room. Stanley so- <laughs> the Bear for the Chicago Bears. Thank you very much. <laughs> wait, wait, hold up. What, why is Blitz the Seahawk? Where does the name, how does the name fit in there? Seahawk, as in the Seattle Seahawks? No, no, but why Blitz? Because he's super speedy. He's got his limited edition Russell Wilson sneakers that were custom made to fit his feet. Uh I don't know what he'll be wearing this season. It might be a little bit controversial because I don't think Drew Locke's going to have his own sneaker line yet. But that's where he comes from. Super speedy man. There we go. I I, got to jump in because, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about with this is like, 
you know, because, you know, you always sort of look a little bit uh, – you're a little bit envious of American sports at the, the salaries. Like I'm, I'm just sort of picturing some of these guys and these mascots getting paid three point five million dollars a year to uh, uh, to sweat their ass out in these in these seats. Look for me, I'd have to go with. This is how much in depth I am when it comes to mascots. I'm not going the primary uh, mascot for a particular team. I'm doing the second one. So for the New Orleans Saints, um, guys, jump in, jump on to Google because Gumbo is obviously their main one. Boring, but I found Sir Saint. Now, jump on and Google that one and just let me know what it kind of looks like to you. I'll, I'll let you sort of deal with your own imagination. But I'm looking at that jawline. It sort of kind of looks like two testicles. So anyway, I, th- I thought that was pretty, pretty, pretty humorous. So there we go. Sir Saint from the New Orleans. Uh, yeah, hopefully he can do his job and see if they can uh, have an all right season. That's pretty good. I know the Jacksonville mascot, he likes to bungee jump off the the edge of the stadium into a pool. <laughs> if you want a fun mascot, definitely recommend uh, Bruce the Buckeye from Ohio State. He's an absolute like fan favorite of mine. Love him. Um, and Benny the Bull from Chicago Bulls has an excellent podcast. So if listeners need something else to listen to after ours, I recommend that one. It's just an hour of nothing because Benny doesn't talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, guys, I mean, as we, you know, that's the mascots for the NFL. Clearly we have an eclectic mix and taste here for mascots, but it is time for us to get into the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those two? All right, this week on the huddle, still reviewing two teams as we ramp up because it's almost preseason kickoff. First team up for us this week is the Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals. Now, I'm sure everyone's seen it recently, but Kyler Murray, new contract, signed to 2028. Lara, I know you – did you flag it or did Laura flag this? I can't remember who flagged the, the contract, but – um. Talk about some some money for a guy that can't really produce for a whole season. Yeah, I, I think that they had to pay him. And I think that he's shown that he really has a lot of dynamic skill sets. But the fact that he crumbles in playoff games makes it a risky business. And I think they've got the coach, the GM, and now the quarterback signed through to 2027 and Kyler into 2028. I think that they have generated some stability with this, but it's a lot of cash. And I'm interested to hear what everybody else thinks, actually. Do you think it's been Kyler Murray and some of the stuff that we've heard about perhaps issues around leadership and commitment and um, focus Or do you think that he just hasn't had much of a team around him, like offensive line? And if we're thinking about some of the deep threat weapons, some of the issues that they've had with injuries and and people sitting out, I'm, I'm interested to see if you guys think this is a contract that will be worth every penny because he's getting a lot of money. I think he's perhaps even second most to Aaron Rodgers, depending on how the contract plays out on certain years. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is it a bust or is it kind of okay? 
think it's really interesting because, you know, like Alex sort of touched on lightly, he hasn't been able to produce for a whole season. There's that meme that keeps coming up on ESPN where you've got the horse that's drawn beautifully and then you've got the childhood drawn horse. And, you know, I think a big question mark is this receiving core and DeAndre Hopkins getting that six-game suspension to start the season this year. Mm. That's a big blow. I don't think he even expected that. I don't think anyone could have predicted that. But you're exactly right. They had no choice but to pay Kyler Murray. I personally think this is a mistake. If anything, I would have signed him to at most a four-year deal. That's a contract that if, you know, things don't go right in the locker room, you can move on quite easily. You can find another team to pick that up. And someone will pick him up. I don't think Kyler Murray is a leader. I don't think he's shown us so far that he actually has command of that locker room and that he is able to get his team into the Super Bowl and deep into the playoff to a position where, you know, where we kind of expect a team like that to be. I think when you think of this team, you're now going to be thinking of that defense, which also brings up quite a few more questions and a few more concerns. Yeah, just quickly on on Kyler's contract, I I was kind of looking at this one and thinking, you know, historically with, (laughs) excuse me, with those sort of talents and wheels and, you know, he's he's a bit of a modern type of uh, footballer. I thought, you know, traditionally he's the type of player that you might take a chance on and sign, but I just felt like we were getting to a point where we were started to get, we were starting to get quite saturated, quite saturated when it comes to the quarterback. So, you know, when you're getting Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields and all these players coming through each and every year in the draft, it just felt like eventually you could take a risk and not sign Kyler Murray. I guess when push comes to shove, when the Arizona front office really sat down and they thought, okay, this guy may not be a guy that we want to pay, but can we afford to to take that chance? And, you know, they, they played chicken for a few months there and, um, yeah, Kyler came out on top. Yeah, and I think the one thing you've really got to think about with a team like Arizona, more than really any other team, is the division they're in. They're in one of the hardest divisions. And, you know, you've got to put a quarterback in there that is flexible, that is able to extend the play. I get that. I understand why they went with, you know, why they want to keep that. But I think the biggest thing, they want longevity. They want to try and build something. But if you've got a player that's going to go up against these big dominant defenses against Aaron Donald twice a season, I, I just don't think this is this is the quarterback that's going to get them to the promised land. I think it's interesting when you look at the Arizona Cardinals, and I think when you look at Kyle Amari and him getting this kind of contract, I think you're, they're still strong. I think they still struggle to find out what kind of team they are. There's, there, are they a team that's going to sit there and throw the ball? Are they a team that's going to run the ball? Because Kyler will do both. I mean, he's more likely going to take off than anything else. So when you look at kind of the offseason signings that they've had just out of free agency, they got Ariel Williams from the Chiefs to add to their running back room. They've got Marquise Brown from the Ravens. Um, you know, so those are two kind of probably good signings for the Arizona Cardinals to kind of bolster that. But then also, I mean, we move into like kind of their start of the season last year where they went, went what, 10 and 0. But I think they don't have the protection around Kyle Amari for this to be a sustain, to be for him to sustain the type of play he needs to have for this contract to be of any relevant relevance for the Cardinals down the line. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think what he did in the first like seven or eight games of the season last year was so impressive. And he was, I think, definitely one of the best quarterbacks 
in the league in that that early season, but then all the wheels fell off. And I think what what um, you and Laura both said at the start, can he last a season? And Dan as well. That's the really big question. And is that worth $240 million, $165 guaranteed? It's a big gamble. It's a big risk. I mean, if he gets injured, he's going to be getting a nice payoff for sitting on the bench. <laughs> so I guess it works in his favor to some degree, but not Arizona. Look, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about Kyler all episode, but yeah, I think that's enough time we can get to that because I mean, Arizona Cardinals do have a couple of the players on their squad. It'd be interesting to see, you know, JJ Watt coming back from injury. Um, we didn't get to see a full season out of him. We didn't get to see a full season out of Zach Ertz last year, obviously with him being traded. So I think with these kind of, and you even got Butter Baker in there as well. So I think I, I'm excited to see what JJ Watt can do. I think the the big concern I have for Arizona, Arizona when you look at him, right? DeAndre Hopkins, again, he was very quiet last year as well. And I think they have the opportunity to be big and loud, but they haven't been able to do it. So I guess, Dan, my question to you is, do is it just a, a lot of egos in a room that just don't gel? Yeah, it, it's interesting with Arizona. I think one of the things that I really struggle with when I look at them is having faith that they can get through a season without injuries, you know, and I, I, look, I know that can happen to any team, but in particular, there are a lot of players on both sides of the ball that have really struggled to demonstrate I'm here. I can play the full 17 games and, you know, ultimately, you know, the, the you know, the season, I'm really excited about it, but you know, there, there's some pretty special quarterbacks out there. And if Arizona want to compete, they're going to have to try and keep everyone together. So look, both sides of the ball, there's a few players that have had injury histories. There's a few players that are getting a little bit old. So, um, you know, some of the, look, I, I guess if they're really going to, to to step it up and be competitive, it's really going to be off the back of some of the younger players who are really going to have to step up. And, you know, there's a few players that we can talk about, but, you know, it's a lot of pressure to put on some young kids. Yeah, coming off what Dan's just been saying, you know, losing Chandler Jones and having Isaiah Simmons coming in now to step into that position, I don't think we've seen from him really a noteworthy performance yet. I don't think we've seen a player that really can stand up there with J.J. Watt and this season really is going to depend on him. You know, I I really did think that Chandler Jones was going to come back, but they haven't. They've moved on in that younger direction, which I guess is what they need to do across the board. And, you know, you compare him to Micah Parsons, who we're going to talk about later on, and the difference in their in their careers so far and their explosiveness. But, you know, it is coming all down onto these young guys. And really, I think Isaiah Simmons is going to be the key to if this team can actually produce and perform down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, Laura, when we look at their draft, tight end in the first round, interesting pick considering what a lot of other teams went for. Um, then they went defensive end, defensive end, running back, which was interesting considering they have Jonathan Ward and James Conner in their running back room. So I feel like they're adding some depth there. Um, offensive line, cornerback, linebacker, offensive line. I guess they wanted to kind of get some depth in in their secondary. Do you think they're do you think that's right for them to have those young players in there and in that depth? Yeah, I think what they did with the tight end pick is pretty interesting, especially after they traded for Marquise Brown, uh, traded out of the first round. I I mean, I think everybody thought that was a pretty wild pick. I don't think Marquise Brown has proved himself to be worth a first round pick. Um, it'll be interesting. He claims that, you know, the Raiders wasn't the system for him. And since he used to play with Kyler Murray, everything will be 
you know, super bananas and what have you. But I, I don't know. He hasn't really, really proven that yet. And I think it was interesting last year that even with DeAndre Hopkins on the field, Kyler Murray would often throw to Christian Kirk, even though Christian Kirk didn't got a, didn't get a lot of the attention. He apparently was the leader in that wide receiver room, and he was the guy that Kyler Murray would throw to on the ropes. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not, A, can Marquise Brown step in, and B, can this new tight end that they've picked up kind of help even out the field and support um, Zach Ertz? And also, you know, got to talk a little bit about AJ Green because he's still there, and he actually did some cool stuff last year. So, yeah, I think a balance of some of the older guys and and the new guys, if they can bring that together, I think it will work. But I think what you said about egos and chemistry and conversation, it doesn't seem like a team that gels well at the moment. I think that's a really big one. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely chopping and changing. There's pieces there that just haven't been able to find their footing. Um, I don't think the game suspensions are going to help. The injuries definitely haven't helped. So maybe, you know, once we're, you know, 10 games in, we'll, we'll see them do something spectacular, but, I doubt it. So I guess with that being said, we kind of go to our records. Look, last year, 11 and six, which I'm sure we're all surprised by, but we all know that was the front half of the season for them, really. Um, I am going to be a little harsh and go eight and nine. I don't see this team being anything spectacular. I think they're going to have growing pains. I still think Kyle Meyer is going to struggle. So for me, it's, it's eight and nine. Laura? Yeah, I'm actually going to come in at the same as you. I was thinking kind of nine. I think you've got, you know, some guaranteed wins in the division, which will help them. But I think, you know, besides that, once they get out there, yeah, I reckon nine at the most. Dan? Yeah, look, I, I hate to to jump on, on that one, but I, I think so too. Nine wins, possibly going to double digits, depending on if they run Kyler Murray. That's what I'm most concerned about. I'm concerned that they will go into their shell a little bit and not want to run him because of this massive contract and the risk that is associated with that. Whereas we've seen with Arizona, they're at their best if he does that, if he is that traditional dual threat. So if they go into their shell and they don't run him like they have in past seasons, which... You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't from an injury perspective. But, you know, once you put all, all of that money into your Ferrari, you don't go bush bashing, you don't go rallying in it. So, um, yeah, a bit of a tough spot for Arizona, uh, nine wins. Laura, you get to round us off. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna go with you. I'm going to go eight. I just like the first three games, Chief, Raiders, Rams, and then they've got the Panthers, which is fine, but then they come back to the Eagles, which I think is going to be pretty tough. Unless they do something impressive at the start of the season, I'm thinking eight. If they go well at the start, I'll go to nine or ten. But I think eight's on the money. Yeah, sounds good. And I think I might have heard this right or wrong, but I think they are on the hard knock. So I guess we'll see if that that has if that plays out at all. Really? Yeah, I thought I thought I read something somewhere that they were on hard knocks this year, but I could be wrong. I'm sure one of the listeners will tell me, Alex, you've got it wrong there. So. But uh, um, it's time to move into our next team where we're going to talk all things Dallas Cowboys. Talk about a team that's had a, can I say, tumultuous two years, I guess, between the Dak Prescott injury, the all of the potential to make the playoffs last year, not really, you know, living up to expectations, a field goal loss that I called to start off their season against the <laughs> Buccaneers. I'm just going to throw that out there as many times as I can. Yeah. Um, Laura, I mean, again, a team that hasn't done a lot of big moves this offseason. 
like what 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 do you think is going to happen to Dallas Cowboys come come start of the season? I think you've got two problems with the Cowboys. The first problem that they've got is it's kind of like Charles Leclerc last night. You know, he's in the lead, he's doing well performing, and then he makes a mistake, crashes out at the eleventh corner. Great former one reference. Yes, thank you, thank you. You know, you've got a team that has all these superstars. I think we could have a good season come out of Zeke this this year. I think that's going to be their secret weapon. I could see him going for over a thousand yards and really changing changing the course of the game. You know, you've got Dak, who really is a MVP caliber quarterback. And I just think the problem that this team has comes down to Mike McCarthy. I think there have been some serious um, concerns starting to come out of the locker room about, you know, his ability to actually get this team together and get them producing. Losing Amari Cooper, I think, is a big hit. Everything's going to fall onto C.D. Lamb. But, you know, we've just I just mentioned before the strength of the NFC West, and now we've got this division that I don't even know how to describe it, but there's actually, there's an amazing new documentary on Netflix about this team of people that go searching for gold in Alaska. And they're on this little Island in Alaska searching for gold. But there is, yes. And there are also all of these unexploded UXO bombs on the Island. So they think, Oh, I found gold. And it's actually, you know, an old world war two bomb that could explode at any second. That's what it's like uh, in this division. You know, with Dak's injury with the Giants, you don't know what's going to happen. They were lucky to sweep the division last season. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they are going to get beat by the Eagles at one point. For me, this team's just up in the air. I don't know what's going to happen, but, you know, hopefully we see them actually win a game in the playoffs. I'm sure the fan base is going to love hearing you compare Dallas Cowboys to finding an old World War II bomb and see if it's going to explode. Um, hopefully nobody comes to you for that one. Dan, uh, Laura touched on it about Zeke's performance. I mean, his rookie year, awesome, kind of out of Ohio State. You know, that's my boy. I-, I love him. I think he's a great running back. Do you think this dual running back system that Dallas went with last year and potentially may go with this year, do you think that hindered Zeke's performance? And do you think that that's a beneficial road for them moving forward you know i actually probably one of the things i'll give a little bit of credit to to my team the new england patriots and there's not too many things we can credit them is changing my perspective on running backs and how to best sort of utilize them i'm very down on zeke i i think we have definitely seen the best of him um i think he's um you know he's a player who's really um you know sort of uh, come in and, and sort of faded quite quickly. And and that's made me think that that's quite common now with our running backs. They, they sort of do deteriorate a fair bit because of all of their, their work uh, during college. So, you know, physique, if you're aiming for 500 yards, I, I think that's, that that's, you know, pretty fair physique where, where he's at at the moment. Um, but, you know, pushing him up uh, beyond that, I, I feel like you're going to sort of impact games, you know, in, in terms of um, just trying to get him additional carries. So in answer to your question, Alex, I'd probably say, for the Cowboys, I would go a different way. I reckon it would almost need to be a trio because the talent isn't quite there. Tony Pollard, he's, he's pretty good. He's pretty decent, but I wouldn't say he's an out-and-out star at that at that RB1. Zeke's passed it, and there's not too many more people behind him. So, yeah, look, I, I, think, I feel like, you know, that offensive line, it's starting to get a little bit old too. There's a few injury concerns there as well. So I've got big concerns as to whether Dallas can effectively run the ball this year. Yeah, I'm sad to hear you say that about Zeke, so we're just going to move swiftly past that and go to their defense. Um, <laughs> Laura, when you look at their defensive side of the ball, there's two names that stick out, Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. But that's two. 
out of what an 11 man, 11 man game, you know? So do you think they need more players in there? Do you think they need more experience in their defense to be able to help them? Because I don't see them being able to stop the ball and Trayvon Diggs is going to need a lot more help in that role to kind of do anything amazing to carry that defense. Um, I hear you. I hear you. Those two names are the big names. I'm with you on that. And I think we've spoken about those over the the last few weeks. Um, I think it was maybe um, somebody that was talking about Trayvon Diggs. Uh, Yeah, okay, great interception rate, but not really good at uh, stopping, um, you know, preventing yards after the catch. So even there, I think there's some, some, some trouble. I don't think it's as bad as perhaps just only two names. Like I actually, um, <laughs> I really love Leighton Vanderesh. Um, maybe that's an uncool thing to say. <laughs> um, he's kind of a weird uh, kind of one of my fans on this um, team. And I don't mind Demarcus Lawrence and um, I, I'm, I like the way in which the defense, the defense played last year. I didn't have an issue. I don't think it's going to be the issue. I don't think any of the stuff that we've just talked about is going to be the issue. I think the issue is the third thing that Laura, you didn't mention, which is, I don't know how, but the Cowboys, no matter how well they play through the season, suck in playoffs. Like they're so bad consistently. And yes, it might be Mike and it might be his last year of coaching. It could be Dak. It could be injuries. It might even be CeeDee Lamb, although I think he's going to have a great year, but they suck in playoffs all the time. And I think it's great that we're talking about the Cardinals and the Cowboys this like tonight. That's all I got. (laughs) Ah. There's nothing nicer to hear than hearing you just blatantly say they suck. It's actually kind of warming to the soul a little bit. But, <laughs> you know, I think back back to that defense, I think Trayvon Diggs is a serious liability. You know, on a on a hundred um targets, he gave up over half, you know, last season. 11 intercepts is an amazing statistic and it definitely deserves its credits and deserves its moment. But I think someone needs to teach him that a bat down is as effective sometimes Mm -hmm. as an intercept. And I think we've seen game-changing plays, but we've also seen game-changing mistakes. And I think that'll be a big hindrance to this defense this year. And I really do think it's going to come down onto Mike McCarthy's shoulders. He's going to get beamed up to Jerry Jones's spaceship and we're not going to see him again after this season if he if he doesn't you know get these get this team into the playoffs. But you're right, there is some type of magic spell. I don't know what it is. I don't know what alien powers Jerry Jones has infected into this team. But I really think that Trayvon Diggs is going to be a big make or break part of this season. And I just don't. I it's great to be able to get intercepts, but I don't think. I don't know. I don't think it's that's what we should hang our hats on. Yeah, there's there's definitely more, right? You gotta be able to make those tackles and definitely when you know it comes down you gotta make those big plays. Laura, I love that you're like they just suck in the playoffs. Talk about a team that just loves to choke because like <laughs> I mean that is a definition when we talk cowboys. Um 
But, I mean, if we quickly touch on their draft, they had nine picks. They went Tyler Smith as their first uh, defensive line. Then they went a defensive end, a wide receiver, Jalen Talbert. Dan, you mentioned it earlier. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on his shoulders to help out that wide receiver core. Um, and I just think his age is, is not going to – I don't think that's going to help him in any way, shape, or form. Jake Ferguson at tight end. Darren Bland, again, cornerback. Uh, they had a linebacker, a defensive tackle, and a linebacker again. So they've bolstered some of their, their secondary and their defense, which is good. They've got that depth there just in case they do have any major injuries. But as you said, they choke in playoffs. The defenders kind of have one major stat that they're proud of, but there's definitely more to the ball. That running back room is going to be a struggle. Mike, I think this is a this is a make or break season for Mike McCarthy. I think if he doesn't do well here, he will be out the door. I mean, you see what they do with Dak. But that being said, we've got to give their predictions for next for this coming season. They went 12 and five last year. I'm going to go 10 and seven for them. Um, I think. They'll be able to pull off some wins, but and I think they'll get to the playoffs. And like they always do, I think they'll choke. Laura, <laughs> <laughs> you get to go in the next one. Oh God. What did you say? You said 10 wins? Or did you say nine? 10. Yeah, I'm going 10, maybe even 11. I really hope that Tony Pollard gets the ball a lot because I think he's got some amazing skills. Perhaps we haven't seen what he can do yet. And then I think they're going to (laughs) choke. Dan, we think they're going to make the playoffs and choke. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, look, it's, excuse me, it's about the players they lost, you know, like losing Amari Cooper, you know, was he great? You know, every single week, no, he sort of, you know, struggled on the road. Um, but but I also thought the loss of Randy Gregory was a big one. You know, that really weird situation with that contract over, you know, which, no, it, anyway, it was absolutely crazy. They, they sort of lost him. And, you know, I think that, you know, Micah Parsons, he is on everyone's radar. You now know that if you shut him down, you're going to go a long way to shutting down the defense. And, you know, if you had Randy there, that would that would alleviate and, and you know, um, take a little bit of pressure off him. So with him gone, I think that really loads him up. Um, uh, yeah, so it's difficult. Look, for me, I'm going to go with 10 wins. Um, and then just, just one more thing for a little bit of glimmer of hope, if we've got any Cowboys listeners watch, uh, listening in. Cowboys do draft well. Um, I will say that they do have a really good history of identifying uh, players and, and they have drafted pretty well over the last couple of years. So Alex, I wouldn't be surprised if a few of those players that you read out will, will kind of surprise people. Um, but again, it's, it's a lot of pressure to put on younger players, but yeah, 10 wins for me. Laura, you get to round us off. Are you 10 wins and choking the playoffs? Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to round to 11, I think. They have got a pretty decent schedule. I think there's some obvious losses in there already. But, you know, I think they're definitely going to come out on top of the division. And I reckon they're going to win the wild card if they get past the wild cards. And But I reckon they'll get one to two games deep at most. But, yeah, 11 wins for me. I love that if they get past the wild card. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about probably- a common phrase. Common phrase for Cowboys. We should probably also mention that they have a bit of a history of as soon as they have a really successful year, they have a sinker the following one. So here's hoping that they combat that because Dak looks pretty healthy. He looks pretty fit. He looks pretty, uh, I think he's in probably the best shape of his life. So hopefully they don't have to have a total and utter stinker after having a really good, after having a really good season last year. 
Yeah, and let's hope he can keep that hip in check. I saw it as uh, his camp. He was teaching all the kids how to do his little hip dance. So we might see yeah. that coming up in the next kind of couple NFLs and NFL quarterbacks in the next probably 20 years. But we'll wait and see <laughs> how that works out for him. But, uh, guys, it's time to move on to our rapid fire. The game of football spreading out and becoming more about getting athletes into open space. One universal truth is more evident than ever. Speed kills. All right, quickly going around the grounds. Prediction for this season, who will be the leading special teams? I'm going to kick this off just because I'm really excited to say this one, but because we really get to point them in a great light. But Miami Dolphins, because when it comes down to it, their special teams is what gets them points. And they always seem to be, you know, doing a 90-yard return touchdown or some crazy thing so for me i think leading special teams is going to be miami dolphins and i'm calling it there and then now miami dolphins for leading special teams dan what do you think uh (laughs) look as a new england patriots supporter we're gonna have to be the best in the competition because this is where our points are going to come from. So I may joke about that, but Nick Falk uh, is going to be the MVP for the Patriots this year. Look, you know, a little bit older, um, can't kick distance. Uh, in fact, we will run a few more plays to try and get him a little bit closer uh, to give him an opportunity uh, in his old age. But um, yeah, look, he, he's pretty accurate once, once you get a little bit close and uh, we've got a few other players. Um, shout out to long snapper Joe Cardona. Uh, he's a player who has been on the roster for what seems like... Uh, uh, 35 Tom Brady years. So he's still hanging in there. Uh, fingers crossed we can at least be elite in, uh, yeah, uh, one one part of the game. Yeah, maybe this season I'll give uh, MVP to, to the New England kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Laura, who's your, uh, who's your pick for special teams this year? Oh, I don't know about leading, but what I care about with the special teams is that they're consistent, and I think that's what we can expect out of Seattle. I think Michael Dixon, the Australian punter, <laughs> He's fun to watch and they're going to come through. The Seattle's always been consistent. Jason Myers had a couple of misses last season, but that was unexpected. And really that's not like what we've seen from him um, with his streaks that he's previously held. I think consistency is key. I think that's what matters. And I think the Seahawks special team is going to come through. We haven't had any negative plays. I would like to put that out there. We're one of four teams that haven't had negative plays, especially last season. I think that's the most important stat. So there we go. Yeah, that 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 dropped kick, pickup box kick that he did. I was like, goodness gracious <laughs> me, you were offside, sir, and way over the line. But yeah, that's a, that's a conversation for that day between you and me, Laura. Laura, you get to round us off with your pick on special teams. I'm so glad you gave a shout out to the Aussie Seattle punt. Like he's so good. I really really like um, watching him. Um, I, I don't know who's going to be the best special teams, but. I thought, what a perfect time to tell everybody about the Jags special team, since perhaps people don't, since perhaps people don't follow no, Jags special team. I think it's a really good time for folks to get involved and to sort of, you know, really come to know Jags punter Logan Cook, who is actually one of the most accurate, consistent punters in the league and has been for a really long time. I'm so pissed about the ridiculous shit show that was Urban Meyer last year because. It meant that um, the awesome kicker that we had, one of the best kickers in the league, Josh Lambeau, completely floundered because, oh, that's right, the coach literally kicked him in the groin whilst he was trying to warm up. That's not okay. But this year we have 
uh, a new guy called Andrew Mevis who has booted like a 67 yarder or something. Um, and, you know, because we're the Jags, we just saw that on video. So we decided to sign him straight away. <laughs> so I'm confident that this kid has never done anything. It's just going to be sensational. Um, but no, the most important part of our special teams is a guy called Jamal Agnew. And if you haven't seen his 109-yard return um, against the Cardinals, Cardinals tried to put a 60, I don't know, maybe it was a 63-yarder through. They missed, and he ran it back 109 yards for a touchdown. Second week in a row, he had a 100-yard touchdown. Check out the highlight. It's awesome. And he's back from a hip injury. So just a little shout out to the Jags, yo. <laughs> I think Lara needs a I think Lara needs a special, the Jags with Lara to really yes. kind of educate all of us. Shout out to Omar at Sports Center, those highlights. That's how we're <laughs> gonna be drafting for the next five, 10 years. But um, I definitely didn't know that about the Jags. So I will watch maybe. 10 minutes of a game for you. Okay, I gotta tell you so many more things and you'll watch all the, all the <laughs> Yeah, we all we all know where the Jags get their recruiting done. It's on social media at like, you know, who has the best long kick, like you know, longest kick and who has the best return. So oh, I mean clearly it works to some to some degree for him. But uh <laughs> guys, I'm sure I'm sure Laura could talk about the Jags all night long, but unfortunately, that's all we got time for. Uh Thank you for hanging out with me, guys, talking all things football, as usual. Uh, it's been a blast. Laura, Dan, and Laura. And Riley, hopefully, might be back next week. I don't know, but I'm in Texas next week, so might be live from Texas or Dan might be taking over. But, guys, that's all we got time for this, this week, and catch you all next time. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.